The Start On Demand. On demand. Protests related to the BC pipeline are popping up all across Canada. What's your take on these? Are you in support? City Councillor John Orlico joins us on the subject of golf. Does the city need to be involved with 12 golf courses? We'll talk about women and heart disease as tomorrow, February 13th, is an important day. Wear Red Canada, raising awareness about women's heart health. And I went to a daycare for I Love to Read Month, and I learned that little kids like to climb people like trees. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Wednesday, February 12th podcast for The Start. Yes, it's cold, but there's another C word that is coming to mind that's kind of infected. Oh, easy. Whoa. Easy. Whoa. It's not that C word. 606 on a Wednesday morning, <laughs> eh? <laughs> clumsy. Oh, clumsy. All right. And I feel like it's kind of, inf- it's at least infected two of us mm-hmm. because there was a point where I was uh, bringing back all these cups that were left in the studio to the kitchen and I spilled water all over myself and all over the floor, there's like a trail of bloop, bloop, bloop as the water was bouncing out. And then, Loren, you're wearing Sorrells today. Yeah, well, I like I don't bother. On a day like today when it's this cold, I don't get up and try to be fancy. You know, like the toque goes on, the Sorrells go on, but they're big. You guys always laugh because you know it's cold out. As if you didn't know already, but you hear me walking in the morning and it's like that heavy yeah. clump coming in, but I can't function in them. Like they're so big. I should probably shouldn't drive with them. Honestly, they're so wide that I keep like disabling my computer <laughs> by bringing down the wires underneath my desk just by moving my feet. And so I finally, I'm not wearing boots right now. I finally just took the boots off. Yeah. What are you wearing on your feet? Socks. Great. Clean socks. Better be. And then well, I and then I and then I knocked some uh, piece of paper that was on this tack on my cubicle wall. I knocked it off and I couldn't find the tack and I was panicking because I was scared. I thought it fell on me. I didn't want to like end up sitting on this tack. Turns out it was just in front of me. And then I almost knocked my phone and a bunch of papers all over the floor. So I'm hoping that it's done now. I hope mm-hmm. it's not contagious because mm-hmm. I don't need that. Yeah, clumsy enough on my own. So uh, you, we mentioned the Sorrells. At 6.45, we're going to have a conversation about the stuff we wear when it's this cold and what do we do when we get to where we need to go. You mentioned you wearing you wore a toque today. Yeah, I wore a toque and then the hair's at a disaster and it's too cold to not put it on because it's that kind of cold where your car doesn't really warm up for the first like 20 minutes. You can You can hear it like in pain as it tries to figure out how to function. So I have the toque on, then you get to work, you're like, well, this is not really appropriate professional look. So you take the toque off, but that's also not a professional look. (laughs) Sorrells don't really work in an office space, but I didn't bring any other shoes. So now I'm not wearing shoes, which is also not a professional look. So (laughs) Just as long as you don't start operating your computer with your toes, I think we're fine. Okay. And then, of course, I look quickly at the calendar and think, okay, well, maybe we won't have any in-studio guests today. And and we're chock full of studio (laughs) guests today. So I can't figure out how to manage that. But we're going to talk at 645 about all the things we do to manage the cold. And then once you get to the place you're going, now what? Like long underwear. 
Do you just sweat it out for the rest of the day? Do you take them off? I, I take them off. I, I have friends who walk, will walk to work and they have like those um, lined jeans or lined pants that they'll wear. Like you can get them with liners in yeah, them. Yeah, those are comfy. Yeah. And, but then you get to work. And so unless you're bringing another pair of pants. Sure. What are like, you doing what at are that you, point? You're just so hot. Well, Saturday was at a volleyball tournament for eight hours. And I made the mistake of putting a toque on in the morning. And then I took it off and I'm like, now what am I going to do? <laughs> I can't walk around all day looking like this. So I ended up having to wear a toque in the gym all day long. And then you're sweating other- it out. Well, because otherwise my hair just looked ridiculous. You couldn't go to the bathroom and just like. That was be- You know how it gets beyond that point? Of, there's no point of return. You just cannot fix it <laughs> unless you wash it and have a shower. I was, I was beyond that point. I put it on a little bit too early in the process in the morning. I just couldn't get it back. <laughs> well, there'll be a lot of people in the same situation as us today, I think. Because it's the kind of cold where you just think, do I really care about, do I care about fashion? Of all the cities in the world that deserves just a day off just because of the weather, not because we can't handle it, not because it's even that big of a deal, but how many days of school did they miss in Vancouver earlier this year because of the snow? And I get why, but can't we just have a, can't Mayor Bowman just come on the air this morning and just say, you know what? We're just gonna we're shutting her down for just for the day. We're just gonna enjoy, shut her down. Enjoy yourself. Right? What, what's the reason, Mister Mayor? Just because we just gotta do it. We deserve it. Yes. But there will be people waiting to hear about possible bus cancellations or school closures in terms of whether the windshield gets high enough or low enough to impact that. Right now, what are we looking at? The temperature minus thirty right now. It looks like, and you need to be at minus 35 at least for that to change your bus situation and the windshield needs to hit minus 45. That's at the forks, right? At the forks for cancellation. 42 at the airport right now. I would argue that anyone within the city is probably going to school today based on the numbers we're looking at now, but usually within a half hour, we know for certain on Winnipeg schools and, and we're seeing nothing outside the city right now besides some road closures. 75 was closed apparently. And you took it. I took it today, but you know, I come in off the, from the east on to 75, so there's no gate there. But I also drove through St. Norbert and didn't see the gate close. Usually you'll see a lineup of trucks uh, waiting for those is, gates is to open. drifting snow? I'm assuming it must be from whiteout conditions and drifting hmm. snow. I mean, it was it was blowing for sure. It'll be hard for anyone going, I think, more on those east-west routes. Number two is still closed right now, parts of the Trans-Canada. So lots to watch for. But yeah, no, I drove in on a closed road. Hope the RCMP are. Can they ticket me after the fact? Well, I didn't yes. know. Manitoba Highways did add in their note uh, that they sent at 128 this morning. That they say closure gates and or variable message signs may not be present at closure closure locations. So Highway 75, according to their website, is still closed. Mm-hmm. But maybe they just didn't close the gate. No, and, and I think it's still up to you to know. You know, you're, it's, it's, the onus is on the driver to check the map what, and not uh, rely necessarily on those gates and no, that kind of thing. For sure. Uh, Highway 1, which section of Highway 1 was closed? Just closer to uh, Portage, it was closed this morning, and it okay. might have reopened Yeah, since. we're good now. Yeah, but, Portage and uh, Prairie to Winnipeg reopened uh, good. Uh, early this morning. But okay. yeah, Highway 2 from St. Claude to Starbuck, Highway 3 from Crystal City to Sperling. Uh, there are several other closures, so we'll get that information at cjob.com. And at 6.37, we'll have a chat about the protests. We had one in Winnipeg on Monday, and they're popping up all across Canada. And we want to know what you think of the protests. Do you support them? What's your take? Yeah, they were, they were blocking traffic for the most part Monday. That was the impact of people going home Monday night. But in places like B.C., they weren't letting... 
politicians into work at the legislature. Journalists were trying to get in to do their job and, and struggling to do so. And of course, you have blockades on the rail lines that's preventing all sorts of trains. I think at the last count, there was 170 different trains that had been stopped uh, as of late yesterday. So lots of impacts. And we were saying this morning, how do you feel about all this? Like, do, do you get what the protest is about? Do you care about, you know, the trains not moving or people not getting in and out of the legislature in B.C. to work? Do you understand why there's this anger out there? Or are you just kind of fed up with the whole thing? And again, as far as school cancellations go, classes are cancelled in the Prairie Rose School Division, also in the DSFM, St. Jean-Baptiste, St. Agath, Noel Richot, Gilbert Rosé, and ERND. Did I get it right, Loren? I don't know. Richot? <coughs> Richot? Uh. I've, I've heard people say all those versions. I've heard people say we're show. Like, Whichever I, I way you know. say it, somebody will call the newsroom to complain. That we've said <laughs> all I yourself. know is it's lactic on it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's right. Is it? No. <laughs> can't remember. It's an old I'm line. enjoying this back and forth. Okay. Portage. Lots of great text messages, interaction at 780-6868 on like every topic you can imagine. Ones we're discussing on the air, ones we're not. And uh, then you guys uh, trying to figure out how to say reshow is pretty funny. Oh, wait, reach shot. Yeah. So we'll get it right. No, we won't. Um, Loren McNabb today wore Sorrells, and I, I love it when she wears the Sorrells because you can hear her coming as soon as she comes in. And I think she... You she, can't just hear her, you can feel her. Yeah. Or the whole floor shakes. It's yeah. like being at Ikea. It's a little walking now. past you, you can feel the floor bouncing. Yeah. I kind of do it now for the amusement value. Like I was coming around the corner, I could hear Brett giggling. And I was like, here I come. But so the, the, that led to a conversation of what do you do? do in extreme cold like this where you have to wear Sorrells or you have to wear a toque or maybe you're wearing long underwear. What do you do when you get to work? So Cam is here. Jeff Braun is here. Jeff Fortier is here. Uh, Braun, do you ever wear a toque? I wear a toque every single day. What do you do when you get to work? I take it off and go about my day. <laughs> so you know, you know, Your hair doesn't get messed up? Uh, when it's short like this, I can put a little product in it and spike it up a bit, which I did today. But last week before I had my hair cut, when it was too long, I just... You just deal with it. I just look dumb in winter. That's but all. But when do you put the product in? Do you wait till you get here? Yeah, well, or do you do that? I wait till after I take my toque off. Yeah. Oh, so you, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Oh, like that. I just yeah, because I've tried it operation. at home first, and then when you put the toque on, it's, well, this is, it's hard go. to recover from that business. It's totally. Okay, I, used to, I used to do that when I used to yeah. walk to work. I would, uh, I'd, like, I would put on my toque and my stuff around my face, and I'd have long underwear on and sweatpants, but I always had like my jeans and my shoes, you know, a full change of clothes in yeah. tow. Uh, so it's kind of an annoying production, but uh, yeah, I, got, I always deal with it at work. I got the long johns on still. I just wear them through the day, and it's fine. I mm. used to get really hot, but I don't anymore. I don't know if that's just an aging thing or more likely the fact that my long johns are more threadbare than they used to be, perhaps. <laughs> the same pair you've had since you were 20? They're starting to disintegrate. <laughs> and on the days when I need them, because I'm in the city, so like I don't, I'm not worried about breaking down on the highway like Loren is, but if it's a really snowy day, I will wear my boots, and then I just bring my shoes in another bag. Threadbare long johns? I don't know. You want evidence? No, I don't. <laughs> I just want to know how long you've had these things. I don't know. I've got a couple of pair, but one of them's pretty old. <laughs> Time to break down, eh, Bron? Poitras, what do you do? 
oh, I just deal with it. Like, <laughs> I would never put product in my hair or anything like that. I just would just take my toque off and deal with hat head all day. I don't care. You got yeah. nice, long, naturally curly hair. Though. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't have to worry about it. It's got a flow going. flow, actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, Fortress. it just naturally goes that way. I mean, Save I, it for uh, the shampoo you know, discussion, you guys. Exactly, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but are, aren't you equally annoyed, like, at this time of year, too, when it's this cold? Like, you can comment on someone's hat head or toque hair or whatever, but I'm more annoyed when I see someone out there walking around just foolishly with, like, no gloves on, hands tucked in, you know, like, under their sleeves, like, like just, just quit clenching their fists together to try to stay well, warm. Well, and those ripped jeans are, like, big right now, and, like, I'm seeing people wear ripped jeans with their with their knees sticking out, and it's like, uh, oh, thanks, you're taking a photo of me. <laughs> you're taking a photo, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I wear the uh, ripped jeans. It, it actually drives me crazy. It's It'll like wear. a little, like, I mean... But it's always a younger person. They're always trying to be cool. Say, drive by like any high school. But I today. was this, I was the same though. So I can't like I'm not gonna. Uh, oh yeah, of course you got to be cool. You, you being, we, being warm is not cool. Have we heard right. from anyone with ripped jeans but with long johns underneath? Oh, now that's oh, a that's, look. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be an look. interesting look. Well, do you? Well, here's a sidebar. Do you remember going to the bar? Oh. On a cold winter night when you knew the coat check would be full. Yes. I remember standing in line at Zach's on Jefferson when it was like minus 30 with just my T-shirt. And we left our jackets in the car Mm -hmm. in the overflow parking lot by the Safeway and ran across the street and stood in line for like a half hour. Outside. Outside. In a T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. That used to happen at the A, too. And you get that at the airport where people are going to Mexico or whatever for vacation. And it's like, well, it's (laughs) doing long-term parking, right? But it's like, why would I bring my park into Mexico? I, sure. I, I wear sandals. I change into sandals and shorts in the airport. Really? really? That's what do you do, do with yeah. your What do you do with wow. your stuff? Well, I have all my other stuff. I just put it in my carry-on. You don't bring your you winter take, coat with you. You, you leave the coat in the car. Mexico? No, I would just, no, I leave that in the car. But yeah. like, I'll change into shorts and, and sandals in the airport. But then when you get back and you got to get in your car and your jacket's freezing cold. Well, you get picked up. Somebody picks yeah, you up at the door. Forte's mom still picks him up. Why did you get Forte's mom to pick you up when you're on your way home? That's what everybody should be doing. Forte just volunteered for... Airport pickups. Uh, no thanks. Mackling, <laughs> <laughs> McGarry, and McNabb. February is I Love to Read Month. And last week, uh, Greg, you went to Sherwood School. Good memory. That's exactly where I went. And I went to the Children's Hospital to participate in CHTV. And then yesterday, I went out to uh, Rivercrest early learning and child care in West St. Paul because my buddy's daughter goes there. So I went to say hi to uh, Melina and everyone there. But it was the, this is the first time, like one of the reasons why I'm wanting to do this is I'm not a parent, so I'm not, you know, I'm trying to broaden my horizons and, you know, invite new experiences to my life. And I don't know, I'm terrible around kids and I'd like to be better around children. Uh, so I figured, well, I'll go read to them. This is a kind of a safe environment for me. Um, it was super fun and the kids were all very <laughs> sweet, but it, they also terrified me. They, it was kind what of, age? Ter- I get they, I think there was like two to five. Yeah. When you said you were going to read to with average age three-year-olds yesterday, I just giggled and walked away. I was like, I'm not even going to. That's hard to do with one three-year-old. I, like a room full of them. I feel as though I let you down here because what I should have told you is don't make eye contact. <laughs> okay, so what happened? <laughs> well, so I got there and, you know, they were all sitting nicely and I started to read. And very quickly they started to kind of encroach. You know, they, they, they got closer and closer and closer to the point where one of the kids started climbing me like sure. a tree. 
And uh, the staff were, you know, they were doing their best to ask the kids to sit back down. But there was one point, and this is where I felt really bad because I had to say to the kids, kids, can I just get you to back up a little bit, please? You're making me nervous. <laughs> and it, uh, yeah, they're not my kids, so I, I don't know. I know that if you don't, if you dare tell a parent what to do with their kid. Mm. That can be bad. None of the parents weren't there, but I still just felt immediately guilty for telling these little kids to back up a little bit because they were making me nervous. Children crave boundaries. Yeah. This is an un, yeah. unappreciated fact. They're used to having someone say yeah. back off. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have climbed right to the so top of they, your head. Uh, totally, they would have. Did they back off at least then? Did uh, they, 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 they did eventually. For a moment? Yeah, for a moment. And uh, I no- also noticed uh, so many runny noses. Uh, run- <laughs> <laughs> Germ bags. So uh, I just wanted to salute the staff at the daycare. <laughs> the because best. I finally got a firsthand look at how hard their job is. Little kids are an adventure, but they are all super fun. And uh, one of them even said goodbye poop face. Oh, so. that's the best. Oh, boy, did you make an impression. Bye poop face. How many tens of thousands of dollars per year would it take for you to work in a daycare center, Brett? Oh, my God. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yes, so there's that. You'd be exhausted before you even started. <laughs> they are the unsung heroes. And you know what, Poop Face? That was probably more of a warning for you to get some hand sanitizer on after you left. So, Because <laughs> you literally were a Poop Face. You just didn't know yeah. it. Can we agree that we're just calling him that for the rest of the day? Yep. Poop Face. I love it. Okay. Right. You sent us uh, something this morning uh, with a sort of a flabbergasted reaction. What happened in the NHL yesterday? Uh, something you, you hate to see regardless of uh, what team, all team alliances go out the window. When you see what happened to Jay Bomeister of the St. Louis Blues last night in a game against the Anaheim Ducks in California, the game was actually postponed because of what happened. Uh, the Edmonton-born defenseman collapsed on the bench during a TV timeout. Here is how it sounded on the Ducks TV broadcast. Back at Honda Center, while we were away during the television timeout, a a situation on the St. Louis bench, and the emergency medics on the ice, the stretcher brought out, both teams collecting themselves at center ice. It was a wild scene on the St. Louis bench as players lifted the bench out of the way in an attempt to make room John, he just collapsed, and, and we're uncertain as to which player it was at this point. Initially signaled for Anaheim's trainer that there was a problem on the bench, and immediately he sent a signal to the two team doctors who are placed positioned immediately behind the Ducks' bench, and they were on the scene within about 30 seconds, I would say. At this point in time, we believe the player who is down to be Jay Bomister. Both clubs gathered at center ice and trying to give as much room as possible, but obviously there's a great deal of concern. The panic on the look of Bomister's uh, teammates was uh, heartbreaking to say the least. And here's a tweet from the St. Louis Blues about 10 o'clock our time due to the medical emergency involving Blues defenseman Jay Bomeister. Tonight's game has been postponed and will be made up at a later date. It was not immediately clear what had prompted 
Bowmeister's collapse, which occurred a little over halfway into the first period of the game, which was being played in Anaheim shortly after 10.30 p.m., Mountain Time, the Blues president and GM Doug Armstrong issued a statement about Bo Meester's status and said the player's player, pardon me, had, quote, suffered a cardiac episode and collapsed on our bench after completing his shift. Followed that up with a tweet that says, thankfully, with the quick response of our medical trainers, Anaheim medical trainers and their team physicians, they were able to stabilize Jay. He was alert and moving all of his extremities as he was transported to UC Irvine Medical Center. Currently, Jay is is conscious and alert as he undergoes further testing by Anaheim's physicians. We will update Jay's condition on Wednesday morning. It had us talking this morning, though, because... Uh, we know about this because it happened in front of cameras. But when you talk to anybody in your life, so many people have witnessed somebody have a cardiac event like this or a heart attack or worse. And then you think, do you even know what to do in that moment to, to help them through this? I was looking at the numbers today. It's 12 Canadians every hour suffer a heart attack. So like that, that number is astounding. And they often happen while we're speaking, 6 to 12, 6 a.m. to 12, morning heart attacks are a thing. And I don't know, even do we even have an AED in this building? I don't think so. we, we do. We do in the well, gym. I, there, I, there you go. I don't know where it is. Yeah, in our gym. And so there's been a proliferation of these devices over the years to so the point where they're mandatory in a lot of spaces. But I think you raise a great question, Loren. Do we know how to use them? And Brett, I was conveying this, and, and, and Loren remembered, do you remember Megan Batchelor, our former colleague, mm-hmm. she's from uh, Southern Manitoba, Altona. I think we decided is where she's from, and she told a story uh, several years ago about her dad leading the effort, the charge, to have an AED installed at the local arena because he was very active. I think he's part of the fire department there. Wanted an AED, did the fundraising involved, and in an ironic twist. He was the very first person they ever used the AED on when he suffered a cardiac event. Wow. So these things are important. Um, The whole conversation about hockey and health and weekend warriors going out and overexerting themselves. This is a professional athlete. Jay Bomeister has been playing National Hockey League 17, 18 years. He's a finely tuned athlete. And um, yeah, once again, if you haven't seen the video, the concern and the reaction on the bench is absolutely overwhelming. They postponed the game and uh, just a little bit of reaction from fans who were inside the Honda Center in Anaheim. It was tough seeing that, you know. It was a pretty good game up until then, and, you know, you hate to see it, and they just pulled the black sheet over. They were doing a ton of chest, chest compressions, and then that was it. I'm not worried about the tickets. I'm just worried about uh, how Jay's doing. Being a Blues fan from St. Louis, I just want to make sure everything's okay with him. Yeah, Tyson just texted us. I don't know if you've seen this, guys. He says, AEDs give voice prompts for those not trained in using them. Anyone can use it in a pinch. That's good to know. I did not know that. You need to know where it is in your building and save some precious seconds, right? So that that's a question I had this morning. I did not know the answer to that. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb. Right now, we're gonna, you, you don't have to twist my arm to talk about what we're talking about right now. Golf! Yeah, maybe get some warm thoughts in the minds of Winnipeggers and Manitobans as we struggle through this extreme cold warning cancellations. Roads are dangerous and blowing, but we want to think focus on sunnier times and the question we're asking this morning is about golf courses in 
Winnipeg in particular, and the ones that are run by the city. And it's it's been a long-standing debate. Is is Winnipeg supposed to be in the golf game, and should we be? So, City Councilor John Orlico is in studio with us now. You're also the chair of the Innovations and Economic Development Committee, where this question was raised this week about golf courses, John. And let's just start with the very basics for Winnipeggers. Sure. How, how many golf courses are taxpayers? part of or involved with or, or the city working well, with? city-owned land uh, that we either lease or rent or we operate ourselves. There's about 12 courses in Winnipeg, and, and that's uh, Unicity, uh, kind of, uh, you know, that's where it came from. Every little uh, Unis, pre-Unicity had their own golf course. And when we amalgamated the city and the Unicity, uh, those golf courses stayed. So we have about 12 of them in the city of Winnipeg. Some are rental. Uh, people rent it from us. Some pay market rent. Uh, some get it for a dollar. Uh, and then other ones for them that uh, we own and operate. It's our own. So golf courses take up a massive amount of space. And, I, I, you know, Brett and I love to golf. We have lots of friends where golf is a popular pastime. But it is fading in terms of a popular pastime. Like there's a broader uh, question and, and situation at play here in my mind. Golf is not as successful a business overall, let alone the city's involvement in it. We could probably champion the virtues of the city being in the business. But overall, golf courses are in big trouble right across North America. So is the timing associated with this at all, or does it just make it for uh, a better possibility that maybe we we take a a different look at this? Yeah, no, the golf courses, uh, our golf services run it quite well. Like I say, it's a dollar leases, so those losses, if there are any, they're absorbed by the leaseholder. Um, So it's really, uh, we do spend, uh, like, tax-supported support. Uh, It's about $750,000 a year. That's kind of based on this archaic uh, transferring of assets back in the day. Um, but the actual golf courses in Winnipeg are kind of flat. They don't actually lose much money uh, if at all. It's just really this capital debt that they have to pay off. So, But the numbers are declining a bit, but they actually are still in other areas going up. Uh, the Winnipeg uh, Golf Services have done a great job in keeping the numbers up because we keep the fees a bit lower. So I don't advocate getting out of the golf business completely, but I think 100 hectares of land uh, throughout the city of Winnipeg, uh, maybe it's time to look at repurposing some of that green space for alternative uh, recreational uses. So this isn't about the money per se, because you're no. talking about we have a loss of about $729,000 per year. Is that right? Yeah. To run the golf courses? And that's really, the golf courses, that they're operating themselves, they run fine. They, so, they break even. It's just this weird debt thing that they have to pay back from when uh, they became an SOA. A, a special operating agency. That debt was kind of brought onto them. They have to repay back that debt. And that's like uh, the uh, the old clubs, clubhouses, and such. Not um, so that that is uh, that is money. That is taxpayers' money is going to that. But if you look at the operations of the golf services, they, they break even. So, what do you mean by a land question? You're you're talking about the idea that there's so much space dedicated to these that could it be repurposed for what? Uh, well, lots of things. And I've you know I've had some great conversation. Bottom line is uh, golf courses, while they are great, uh, they're not publicly accessible green space. Um, they, you have to pay a fee to get on it, and that's how we pay to keep the green space open. question is, now that we're growing as a city, do we need to use that green space for more publicly accessible purposes? It could be anything from uh, we have third-party leases for soccer fields, baseball. We have uh, the issue of the Million Tree Challenge. Where are we going to put all those trees? Can we look at doing a little forest, uh, reforestation in some of them? Can we look at we have some fire hall issues? Can we look at putting a fire hall in one spot? Can we look at even farmland? Uh, we have food security issues going on now, which is a new thing. So there's a whole bunch of opportunities that I just want to have the discussion with about can we repurpose it for, I would say, additional public use. 
I don't believe we need all 12, uh, but I don't, I'm don't. i not advocating to get rid of them all. Mackling, you've got a great idea as far as Kildonan Park is concerned. I don't know if the council will agree with me based on the list of land uses uh, alternately uh, on his uh, idea and wish list, but Kildonan Golf Course, in my mind, a uh, great asset, but do we really need an 18-hole golf course that is maintains okay? It's yep. not a great course. <laughs> my thought has always been the northerly part of that piece of land. You've got 800 apartment buildings across the river at the end of Wellams Lane in North Kildonan, certainly a developer would pay prime dollar for some of that land at Kildonan Golf Course. Turn that into an amazing nine-hole course, redevelop the, the parking lot and the clubhouse, and then you've got, in my mind, an ideal situation where you are being proactive with land use. You're creating perhaps affordable housing and affordable or and desirable neighborhoods and maintaining the golf course, keeping it there for those that want to use it. And absolutely that, that, you know, this is the last time we tried this, um, this process, if we decide to go forward as a council, uh, it has to be much more open and people have to understand what we're doing and some limitations. The last time we tried this, I believe we, uh, the council today didn't respect the fact that this is public land and a public asset, and they kind of went at it a little bit uh, behind the scenes first. This time, if we do this, uh, if the council decides to do this, we have to look at it much more in an open, transparent way, put everything on the table. But the idea of uh, paving over uh, golf courses in general, that's not the plan. But is there an opportunity to use some infill uh, in other areas? Uh, Malcolmate, we have uh, Windsor Park and St. Boniface. Is that an opportunity? Um, while I've been discussing it with the uh, golf services and the real estate branch, I quickly realized it's much it's much more complicated than I hoped. Uh, there's lots of different leases and how it's going to work. So the, my my hope is that we can have the administration come back with a plan on how to reduce the number of of uh, land, not golf courses, just the golf uh, lands that we use. So what are you asking for right now as a committee, and then where does it go next? Yeah, right now I'm just still working with the administration to develop a motion that would be able to be brought forward to council that identifies uh, and respects the fact that it is public land, uh, that uh, uh, makes sure that we put all options on the table, not just infill development, which can be possible. I do what, and Greg, you actually said it, which is, uh, you know, we have clubhouses and parking lots. I, I personally don't consider that green space, um, and that may be ideal for some infill. Now, how much green space, if any, uh, do we use for infill? That'll have to be part of the conversation as well. City Councilor John Orlico, Chair of the Innovations and Economic Development Committee, joining us live on CJOB to talk about golf courses in the city of Winnipeg. Councilor, thank you for the time. My pleasure. Thank you. Coming to a community near you, likely more protests regarding the wet Sowetan. Yeah, and that's regarding their fight out there against the coastal gas link pipeline project in northern BC. And that's led to protests in Winnipeg, St. John's, Victoria. Uh, we saw traffic shut down at Port of Jemaine Monday afternoon. There was a sit-in at local MP Dan Vandell's office that lasted several days. And then yesterday, it really seemed like it escalated. There was protests at Young and Eglinton in Toronto. There were people blocking politicians from going into the legislature in BC. And of course, there's those blockades on the rail lines that have caused major delays delays throughout the country, most of them in BC and Ontario. CN saying more than 150 freight chains have been in parks since last Thursday. And that, of course, is causing alarm with manufacturers, grain growers, exporters, 
I want to play you a clip from Joel Neuheimer, who is with the Forestry Products Association. And so he says just for the forestry industry alone, which Manitoba is part of, it's costing them tens of millions of dollars each day. Unfortunately, it shows, you know, how vulnerable the Canadian supply chain is to disruptions like this. And, you know, shows how important uh, it is that Canada do everything it can to build a more resilient supply chain. So we had asked uh, around 630 and got some great feedback that we're going to share with you in a minute. What do you think needs to be done? We heard from the transport minister, the federal transport minister, saying it's not their jurisdiction. The provinces should step in when it comes to the rail lines. I don't know. It's a federal line that runs across the country. It kind of seems like the federal transport minister has a role to play here. But the question is, should they move in? Should we be ending these blockades? Or do we actually need to be talking about this more seriously and, and taking these protests more seriously? And and I, we both all agree, I think we all agree, we're not really sure what the answer is here. Well, I know that when a, a, a legal line is crossed, it's up to the police to decide whether or not they are going to, in fact, enforce whatever laws are being broken. And let's be honest, the RCMP, the different community police forces, don't want to be the first to put their hands on a protester, put handcuffs on them, and walk them away. There's no question in my mind that that is at the heart of the apprehension uh, that these police forces are having in terms of moving forward with removing these folks. I think it's a cop-out by the federal government, by the federal minister, to say that it's up to the provinces to make this happen. I think what we're seeing is a, a genuine fear of what to do next and what happens if we do certain things. People are frustrated. People are angry. And I don't know if I've ever seen a protest in Canada in my lifetime, like we saw at the BC legislature yesterday, where there were hundreds of people essentially encircling the building. They blocked the main entrances, MLAs, journalists. Nobody could get into the building without a security escort. And so once again, the question comes up. At what point do law enforcement agencies have to say, okay, you're crossing a line and we have to put a stop to this? I don't know what the answer is because I know that they're hesitant to do it. But I think the time has come in several situations for that to happen. Text messages at 204-780-6868. says, do you really get your point across by ticking people off? When you block them from getting to work or home, myself, I won't be paying attention to what they're protesting. I am just full of anger towards them. Another text here. Here's the question. The protesters use fuel to get places, cell phones made from minerals, and oil. The news need to ask the questions everyone uses fuel somehow and heating homes. So does this make sense? I guess it's everyone else in the world who should do Canada's dirty work. The few rule the many now is the norm. And then one uh, from a parent, Loren, who has someone involved in this. Yeah, this is the opposite feeling. Uh, he had written to say that his daughter had been involved with the protest, and even though he didn't agree with them, he writes, my daughter has her own view on the subject, and I love and support her. And so that's one of the few that we got in terms of support. I, I, the, the thing I wondered is that when I watched the stuff at the B.C. legislature yesterday, I thought, okay, well, now you're really actually blocking people I can relate to from going to work because I can identify with the legislature mm-hmm. or I can identify as a journalist who was struggling to not get inside there. And so then I was like, oh, has this gone too far? What's, what's my personal line? What's my work line? And then when you hear people within the industries impacted by the rail closures, you think, okay, that's also a huge hit to many 
industries that should potentially have um, bigger conversations because the ramifications are huge. And then there's the part of me that thinks, but do I do I need to pay? Do I need to worry or care more about this pipeline or not? Here we are. Are we about a month into this of various levels of protests with regard to this particular pipeline and how many Canadians really understand a what's being protested how many of the protesters really understand what's being protested and are there any actual plans to sit down and go look let's sort this out we understand you're upset about something but the economy of the country needs to move forward we need to find a way to put this aside are there any of those conversations genuinely happening? And I, I think we're frozen in fear right now on both sides, and it's not doing us any good. And that's one of the things that I have a problem with this, and you mentioned it, is that some of the protesters won't even know what they're protesting because this happens. Richard Cloutier has been on the street mm-hmm. yep. in years past uh, where he would just jump into the fray uh, during a protest, a spontaneous protest on Portage Avenue. Sir, what are you protesting? No idea. Just this person was angry and guaranteed that's going to be happening in this. And we spoke with an organizer, uh, Emily, uh, a couple of days ago about the protest that was happening in Winnipeg. And and one of our listeners pointed something out. We asked her, what do, what do you say to the people who will be upset that you're causing delays and that you're blocking their their route home and she said oh i don't really pay attention to those negative messages so the listener said so you want us to listen to you Mm -hmm. but you're not willing to listen to us because you don't agree so that's where i have a fundamental problem with with this like forcing us to pay attention but they're not willing to hear the other side well, and I, one of the one of the other problems I have with this in terms of perception is that this is all Indigenous people that are doing these protesting. Um, it's very clear from the pictures and from the video that we've seen, the conversations that we've had. This may be an Indigenous-based, Indigenous peoples-based protest. Because of location and because where the pipeline's running through correct, and all the Correct, and where the original blockade of this road took place in northern British Columbia. But there are many, if not a majority, of the protesters are non-Indigenous in appearance. We forgot. It's Wednesday, and Wednesdays at 8.37, we are joined by number 34 himself, Hal Anderson. You forgot about me? I think I'm like uh, our executive producer there. I thought it was Thursday, too. She just she was calling yeah, it Thursday. Yeah, we were just in a meeting, we and she just, kept saying it was Thursday. She's like, Thursday. it's in the Thursday file. Thursday. Look at the Thursday file. Yeah. So that's my excuse. Right. I, I was okay. pushing for pushing for the end of the week harder than I should have. I'm well, blaming it on the clumsy uh, infection that we had today that it's just sort of followed us through the morning and yes, we clumsily been, forgot. I've you. been listening since 6 a.m. every morning. The first thing I do is turn you guys on, so... Uh, uh, which turns me on, by the way. Um, oh, sorry, goodness. sorry, I'm getting away. Well, it's Valentine's Day coming up, right, on, on Friday. So uh, today's uh, segment, guys, uh, I like it when they coin new uh, terms or, or phrases, right? Like, for example, today I'm going to talk about valentiting. <laughs> what? Hang on, I'll explain. I'm going to talk about friend. No, you can't look ahead. I'm going to talk about friend mirroring. And I'm going to talk about grand millennial style. Okay. All right. So let's begin with valentiting. Valentiting. This is this is actually kind of heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. It is the act of dumping someone right before <laughs> Valentine's Day because you're too tight to get them yeah. a gift. You're a tightwad. <laughs> valentiting. There's okay. a window. I like it. I was once dumped in grade six right before my birthday. 
And I was like, you just did that, you little jerk 12-year-old. So you didn't have to buy the gift. You didn't have to get me a gift. No, I don't think we were gift buying in in grade six. We might have been. But I I get it. I've heard people do that for sure. For sure. Especially because there's so much pressure on the day. It's not just the money you spent. But if you're really thinking this is not going past Valentine's Day. Yeah. But it's when. Are you doing it today? That's cold. Well, isn't Red Tuesday a thing? I think they call it Red Tuesday. The Tuesday before Valentine's Mm -hmm. Day is like the biggest dumping day of the year. That would have been yesterday. But I don't think it has any... Now, this this term, Valentining, is all about not having to spring for a gift. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it's about more about your fear of commitment than it is about the actual gift. Well, the and Christmas, Valentine's Day is yes. just that day where you start going, oh, God, Valentine's Day, if I get something, then I'm kind of in. You're making a declaration. You're making a commitment. So it's not that you're not, they're not tight, being tight yeah. with their money. They're being mm. tight See, with I'm their feelings. See, I'm thinking gaslighting and the whole, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, that sort yeah. of yeah. approach to it. Yeah, I'm, I tell you, these uh, threshold mm. holidays with mm-hmm. regard to relationships, you've got the yeah. birthday consideration, you've got right. Valentine's Day and Christmas. I think those three, yeah. Are when you're going, do I, when I say love, do I mean love? Right. Yeah. Val- anyhow, I like valentiding. I like the, I like the term. So okay. I thought I would share that with you. Friend mirroring. Any ideas what friend mirroring is? It's like a single white female situation? No. Okay. No. This is when you send a selfie. So you take a picture of yourself to a trusted friend. Say you're heading out for a night on the town. Mm-hmm. Hey, friend, how do I look? That friend. That's that's friend mirroring because, you know, that self-doubt devil that's in your mind, you know, do, right. I, do I really look a trusted okay. friend Is gives it? you the real deal. You look great, gives you that confidence to go out or even says, you know what, don't mm-hmm. wear that shirt. It's, you know, or that top. Don't that's not really. You got to have the right friend for that, though. Oh, absolutely. Well, which Disney character was it? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Snow White. Snow White. Mm hmm. The mirror talked back. Yeah, you're not that great. Yeah. You're not that terrific. <laughs> you look fabulous. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Real life Snow White mirror, whatever the name of that mirror I think was. That, I think that it was a witch in the mirror, though. Well, that, well, so then your friend's hey, not much of a friend. I'm just saying. Wow, you guys get off track. Eh? <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so, but uh, it's, it's interesting because they talk to psychologists about this, and they say that uh, the experts say that when we receive feedback from someone we trust, it makes us feel much safer and more secure. So that's friend mirroring. So okay. if a friend sends you a selfie, you know, be honest. Be honest, and because that's what they need. That's what they need to hear. Okay, this this might be my favorite. Grand millennial style. Oh, Any boy. idea? I'm kind of annoyed already, so let's uh, let's have it. Millennials are not afraid to mix brown wood furniture or their grandmother's china to add some personality and uniqueness to their homes. It's grand millennial style. It incorporates things like classic prints on curtains, upholstery, wall coverings, as well as embellishments like ruffles and pleats and fringe, heirloom furniture made from dark stained woods like walnut and cherry, they bring that old school feel into their room, but at the same time, they might have metallics or abstract art. It's a mix. It's a style. It's called Grand Millennial Style. They already have that. A name what is for that. It? It's called eclectic. Mm, yeah, maybe. Like, right? They do this with every generation. Sometimes I feel like that with maybe it's because we're paying more attention to it at yeah. my age, at our age, mm-hmm. but it seems like we throw millennials into all sorts of word twists and things and or blame it for different things. Like, was there a Generation X style? And then, like, no. a, is there a boomer style? But I think we, when I say we, I'm, you know, 55. 
I think we have made millennials a big deal, good or that's bad, what, right? That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Right, Did I know that's what you're saying. other generations? I don't, a little bit, but not as much as, as with millennials. But I, I will tell you this. I'm kind of a matchy-matchy guy, right? And I think millennials maybe are a little more, yeah, that's my grandmother's china. I'm going to so, put so that there. So I'm just going to throw it in, yeah. in the mix and it's not worry of, about it so me. much. It's yeah. part of me. Yeah, you've seen a lot of the minimalist sort mm-hmm. of approach to living. Okay, uh, I don't like the eclectic is kind of what it's always been called when you mix the woods and the and the eras and stuff and you're decorating. So, I don't know. I think we're kind of hard on the millennials. I don't like oh, it. Oh, I think we are too. I don't like it. Yeah. yeah. And I said I was annoyed already, but looking at some of the pictures of Grand Millennial style, I, kind of, I like it. I like the mixed bag. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Grand Millennial style, uh, valentiting and friend mirroring. There you go. Go and impress your friends today. Have you I ever like valentited someone? No, never. Good to know. I did go through a phase in my... In my no, I'll just tell you this quickly. you got to be quiet just I, long just, enough. Yeah, I'll, I will tell you this. I went through a phase in my life where I was uh, having a hard time finding the right person, and it seemed like, well, two times in a row, I ended up saying to the person, this isn't going to work at, at a Perkins. And then my friends started calling it the Perkins punt. And so then, then I would be dating and they'd say, so what do you think of, uh, or is it going to be another Perkins punt? <laughs> That's the only thing. Was I... there a particular location for the per- Perkins punt? Polo Park. Polo Park. So the Polo Park... Perkins Park. <laughs> Thank you. A triple P. Thank you very no, much. No, it's a quadruple P. We the preferred. Thank you, everybody. My dinner show's at 8. Good night. <laughs> Hal Anderson Afternoons is on from 1 until 4 on 680 CJOB, and Hal joins us every Wednesday at 8.37. When you remember. When we remember, yes. Set your uh, set of timers. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the headline. There is more to watch for than chest pain. Yeah, February is Heart Month, and we want to help recognize the role heart health plays in our lives, the awareness of it, uh, the awareness of heart unhealth, if you prefer. And you've been hearing all morning about NHL player Jay Bomeister collapsing on the bench to to a cardiac issue last night in a game versus Anaheim. This highlights the fact that even a professional athlete is at risk of suffering a cardiac event. We have a clip we just want to play for you from that game because it happened, actually, I believe, during a commercial break. And so they had to come back and inform the audience that on the bench, this healthy hockey player had just collapsed. Back at Honda Center while we were away during the television timeout, a a situation on the St. Louis bench. And the emergency medics on the ice, the stretcher brought out, both teams collecting themselves at center ice. It was a wild scene on the St. Louis bench as players lifted the bench out of the way in an attempt to make room. We believe the player who is down to be Jay Bomister. So these events have a way of being a gift to all of us, a reminder uh, not only about our own heart health, but the presence of AEDs and facilities. Loren, Brett, we all had the conversation this morning. Where's the AED in our building? Loren, you didn't know where didn't it know. was. Didn't know we had one. No, now you know. And uh, one of our listeners saying, hey, 
uh, just so you know, it gives audio or audible directions. So even a novice, someone that have maybe never even seen one can work one. So that is, that's the gift of, of Jay Bowmeister's tragedy last night. And uh, by all accounts, he's, uh, he's uh, resting comfortably. We will update you on that story throughout the year. Now, for the past several years, women's heart health has come to the forefront as we reconcile decades of research, which did not recognize the fact Women and men do not have the same symptoms of a heart attack. Rosie O'Donnell suffered a heart attack in 2012, and she's been very outspoken and has used her fame to help spread the word. I thought I would die of breast cancer because my mother died of breast cancer when I was 10. And then the second mother, a public school teacher who took care of of me uh, and mothered me, she died of breast cancer when I was 40. And so I was positive it was going to be breast cancer. So remember on my show, I was like, get your mammogram. It's... 30,000 women die of breast cancer every year. Very serious, very sad. But 300,000 women die every year of heart disease. It's the number one killer of women. All cancers combined don't equal the amount of women who die of heart disease every year. So I almost died. I don't want you to die. That obviously uh, is Rosie O'Donnell in her old words, and those are obviously U.S. statistics. Last year, we told you about a new initiative called Canada, or pardon me, Wear Red Canada. It is a campaign started by the Canadian Women's Heart Health Alliance, something that didn't need to exist 20 years ago. It just, we didn't realize what we didn't know, and this is to raise awareness for women's heart health. One in three Canadian women will be affected by premature heart disease. In fact, it is the leading cause of death for women in Canada. Jackie Ratz is spearheading many of the events this year one more time, and she joins us in studio. Uh, Jackie, just your commentary. You hadn't heard about uh, the story involving Jay Bowmeister, and uh, once again, you you don't want to capitalize on somebody else's uh, bad health, but it does open the conversation about awareness of our health uh, with regard to our heart. Good morning. Yes, it does. And I'm so grateful to hear that he is actually going to be okay. You know, it's um, heart health comes in different forms. And sometimes you're very active and healthy and you're unaware of even having a, a potential heart condition. And this is a great example of where people were able to rally right away, get that AED and to really save a life. And uh, he will be um, he will be alive and well, and likely will be able to continue to play. At least I, I got my fingers crossed. Yeah, no kidding. Now, what was your experience with your heart unhealth once upon a time? <laughs> my uh, heart journey um, begins when I was 24, and I had chemo-induced cardiomyopathy. Um, it um, sorry, my heart journey started when I was 24 when I had uh, cancer. I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And uh, that led to eventually being diagnosed with heart disease and heart failure. And that took about 20, 22 years. Mm -hmm. And the research that needed to go into that time period to discover that those chemo drugs can have long-lasting impacts um, on your organs and such. Uh, You know, thank goodness that we have organizations like the St. Boniface Foundation and they put money into research. Because when I walked into my cardiologist's office that morning, he looked at me and says, you're right on time and I've got the research to show you. So I was very fortunate that I was able to get the care right away, and now I'm under the care of the Heart Failure Clinic um, over at the St. Boniface Hospital, and I'm also getting great care there, and a lot of the research that's being done there is helping me directly. Fortunate because you know, it's, it's hard to use the word fortunate when you think about a cancer equation and then you throw in heart failure, but you're fortunate because you can see what potentially might be coming, which isn't the case for so many men and women when, when that moment comes of a cardiac arrest or heart attack, it suddenly it can just sneak up on you. And with women in particular, we keep hearing this, but we didn't hear it until recently, that it's not like that 
elephant on your chest, collapsing to the ground, left arm tingling sensation all the time. Correct. At first, I'd like to make a distinction between what a cardiac arrest is and what a heart attack is. And the easiest way to consider that is to think about a heart attack as having basically plumbing issues. And a cardiac arrest is electrical issues. Now, some of the symptoms of a heart attack is that a patient will um, experience different symptoms. They may have they may have chest pain. They may have um, an elephant sitting on their chest. They could expense, experience shoulder pain, jaw pain, um, any number of things. But during their event, they generally will remain awake. And so it's important to recognize that in a cardiac arrest, a person will fall and they will lose consciousness. And that is why there is such a a critical nature to get that AED and to be able to start um, doing defibrillation right away. So when it comes to uh, when it comes to women's symptoms and such and the differences, women typically don't have the big clutching chest pain that we see in Hollywood. Um, We will experience more subtle We can experience the same symptoms as what men generally will experience, but there's some additional symptoms. And it is jaw pain. Sometimes it can actually be nausea. It can actually be sweating. And so you almost feel like you have a bit of a flu. Now, you can't take that out of context, and please don't go rushing to your your emergency room if you feel like you're having the flu. But then if that's followed up with having some left arm tingling or possibly even having some, some shoulder blade issues, these are things that you may want to start taking a little bit more seriously. I think when it comes to, to heart attacks or heart health, when it, with men, I mean, men are notorious for not taking care of themselves, right? I mean, you know, we even make jokes about it with our friends, like, you know, if you keep eating like that, you're going to have a heart attack. Yeah, 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 ha, ha. Uh, whereas, and I'm, I realize I'm overgeneralizing here, but we don't, I don't think of women in that way, and yet here it's the leading cause of death for women in Canada. So why is it the leading cause of death? I think one of the main reasons is is that a lot of the research that's been done, two-thirds of the research up until now, has been done on men. And so we have uh, typically treated women like small men. Well, we're not. We have different biology in terms of our hormones. We have smaller hearts. We're just smaller physically. And so now the research is finally starting to be done, and it's being done on women specifically. And we're discovering some, some critical differences that will help us to make sure that women can survive. 53% of women, when they present in hospital, are not recognized as, heart, as having a heart attack. Often they get diagnosed with anxiety or indigestion, um, ailments that necessarily don't risk their lives. So we're trying to bring awareness so that women themselves can be better advocates for themselves. And that's awareness within the doctor's community too. I mean, it's, it's one thing for, for women to be hearing this and saying, you need to be aware of the different symptoms. But the message has been, I think, important for doctors to hear uh, and people within the hospital system to stop treating it like it might be an anxiety attack or a stress situation because that's part of the problem. Absolutely. And I think they're doing a much better job in the urban in the urban centers. And I think with messages finally now starting to reach out into the rural, a recent report by the Heart and Stroke Foundation is showing inroads in creating this awareness for women's heart health and what that means. And that brings me to why we're here is because we're trying to raise not only awareness in the medical community, but definitely in the public. Her Heart Matters, Wear Red Canada, happening tomorrow. Greg Mackling, who do we have in studio? Jackie Ratz joins us, and this is the second year you've been really spearheading and being a cheerleader for this organization and this group and this event. What are you doing at the refit tomorrow, Jackie? We have a free event that we're uh, hosting. Actually, we're hosting it along with the group here. There's four of us that are uh, putting this on. And then there's um, some sponsors that we have. We have Heart and Stroke and the St. Boniface Hospital Foundation and the refit and, of course, the Canadian Women's Heart Health Alliance. We're putting on a panel discussion about uh, that there's more to watch for than chest pain. Um, Come learn uh, about women and heart disease. 
Um, 80% of what uh, premature heart disease consists of can be prevented. And if we know what we can do, then we can do a little bit better. So we don't have to wait for that moment, that terrifying moment where you might collapse or end up in an ER. There, There are signs, warning signs ahead of that. There are things that we can be doing so that we can be more proactive in terms of our own health. So things such as, of course, smoking cessation. We can watch our alcohol intake and, of course, um, monitoring our stress, exercise is a component of that, and certainly our diet. So there are a couple of other elements, and it will be all discussed. We have um, actually Nicole Dubay from CTV News is going to be doing the moderating, and we have um, a cardiologist from uh, Dr. Tang from St. Boniface Foundation. Amanda Nash is coming to do the nutritional element of it, and then we have Gord Fogg who's going to talk to us um, from Refit about um, cardiac rehab and the exercise component. So it's 80, an exciting panel. Yeah, 80%. And we have a woman with lived experience, Betty, sorry. Sorry, that's okay, Jackie. 80% of cardiac events can be prevented, and I think prevention is uh, always a gigantic key. Do we need to pre- register for this event or just show up? No, we were asking people just to come on down to the refit um, at 1390 Taylor Avenue between 6.30 and 8.30 is the events planned. And we ask that you wear red in support of women's heart health. Another way that you can also get involved is if you can't make it down to the event, then please, um, if you're on social media, wear red, take a photo and tag it with Her Heart Matters mm. just to show support for women's heart health and the importance of it. The website is wearredmanitoba.com. Jackie Ratz is our guest. She is spearheading many of the these events. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate this. I'm grateful for the support. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K, WPG. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.